What is going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to catch up with Warren Zaders over Zoom video. We had Warren on the podcast about a year ago, so it was cool to kind of catch up with him. He did kind of recap a little bit on our first interview, talked about where he was born and raised, how he got into music. We talk about the success he had doing cover songs on social media, which led him to then releasing his first original song, which was called On The Run. He recorded that with two microphones and an interface that he picked up at Guitar Center, did it in one take, and the song absolutely took off. We hear about the success of Ride the Lightning, and last time we chatted with him, Ride the Lightning was just about to go gold, and within the year... It is a platinum record now. So it was really cool to, to chat with him about that, you know, how big the song has become even just in the past year. But last time we spoke, he had just released the 717 tapes. He was about to put out 717 tapes volume two, which was the first batch of songs that he released while working with the producer. The first set was just all demos that he had kind of done himself. And he was just putting them out as the songs came as a mixtape, really. And that really led into the conversation about his new album, which is called Pretty Little Poison. And this is the first time he sat down and wanted to write a cohesive album. So this is his debut album, Pretty Little Poison. He talks about the recording process. He talks about uh, re-recording the vocals on the title track a bunch of times just because he didn't feel like the take was authentic. So uh, he talks about getting that final take that really really solidified that song and we hear about the big tour he's on and everything else uh, Warren's got coming up. You can watch our interview with Warren on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be amazing if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be amazing if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Warren Zaders. Sweet, man. Well, uh, I can't wait to catch up with you. Um, again, I'm Adam, and this is about you and your your journey in music, but uh, we'll, we'll obviously talk about the the album and everything you've, you've got going on. Sweet. Um, we chatted quite a bit about your, you know, your journey in this industry the first time we talked, but I'd love to like recap a little bit and then we can get into the album. Um, you were what born, you were born and raised in like Hershey, Pennsylvania, but kind of lived between there a little bit. I think you said you moved up with your grandparents for a while. Um, yeah. Born and raised in Pennsylvania, Hershey specifically. I uh, originally lived an hour North of Hershey in a place called Duncan, Pennsylvania. Um, from my early years from when I was born to, around fourth grade when we moved and then rest of my life was spent in Hershey. Right on. And you yeah. live pretty close to that amusement park, right? Like you live like a backyard to it. Right in my backyard. Yes. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I mean, I, did you work there? Like, did you probably knew a lot of people that worked at that park? Right. Was that like a thing? I, it was very much so the thing to do. I never did that because my family owned business growing up. So I just worked worked uh, at my parents' restaurant. Oh, cool. Um, and then I got into uh, car sales, sold cars for two years with my pops. 
So never worked the amusement park. I can never worked the amusement park. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And you're saying you kind of got into music or you got a guitar, right? Like in sixth grade or something, or you took some lessons and then it wasn't until college that you really kind of started to, to play more. Yeah. I remember. Uh, Yep. Got a guitar in sixth grade and it was something that uh, I never really took seriously. It was just kind of something that I liked to do. And um, I thought it'd be cool to learn an instrument picked up a guitar because you know i'm sure i said this in my previous interview but the movies always dig uh <laughs> the ladies best, the ladies, <laughs> yeah. ladies, man. ladies love a guy who can sing and play guitar so went with the guitar and it wasn't until you're right college because i was so focused on athletics and it wasn't until i officially hung up lacrosse after 12 years that i kind of went back to the guitar and started kind of singing more because i had to find something to fill my time and uh best decision i ever made <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, you had a couple concussions or something, right? That took you out of lacrosse. Seven concussions, man. Oh my gosh. Um, you did say that you were going to college, and then you ended up going to Penn State. I believe you transferred. Uh, yep. Was I don't remember, or you didn't really talk about the the first school you went to, and was yep. that before you started playing guitar, or was that the school you're going to for lacrosse? And then when the yep. thing happened, you you left. Um, so I went to a school called Frostburg State University, went to go play division through lacrosse. Um, I was there for two years, uh, went to school for business and marketing. Mm-hmm. And, um, after I'd hung up the sport and stuff, I just kind of was thinking back to myself and was just like, you know what, I think I'm just going to save some money transfer. And, uh, I just ended up living at home because I oh, started okay. commuting. This went to a branch campus. So I went to Penn State Harrisburg, just commuted and stuff and then worked when I could. So I was mm-hmm. doing that and then started making, you know, social media posts. Okay. Yeah. You <laughs> sh- were you still living or were you still doing lacrosse when you uh, started to pick up music again? Because I, I, I believe you said you were doing some covers or you, you got kind of pushed on stage and your, um, your lacrosse buddies were like, you should do this or somebody yeah. kind of gave you that uh, push, uh, right? That, that story was, um, that was just a one-off kind of story. That was when I was in school and I was playing guitar here and there. Took my guitar with me to, to college, would flutz around on it here and there. And then my boys on the team knew I could sing and play guitar. So threw me up on stage one night when we were out at a party because they wanted to use me as a chick magnet. Went ahead <laughs> and did that. Surely enough, it worked. Sure. Uh, and, um, but that was just that was just that story in a nutshell. It wasn't until I ended up transferring schools and um, really started, you know, fall back into it, and take it seriously. Okay, yeah. And then you were just you were doing like a lot of covers and do, pushing them up on social media because you had like a big TikTok moment, right, with a cover song. Yeah, uh, I was just posting covers and whatnot uh, for months, months on end, and it was nothing that I was pursuing um, for career pursuing for a record deal a publishing deal it was just something i had enjoyment out of doing and um it was just something really to pass the time and i started posting stuff and people seemed to like what i was doing so i just kept doing my thing and it wasn't until uh, as the numbers started to grow and people started to become more and more attached with my covers and, and my voice that they started to voice to me in the comment section that they wanted original music and i was like damn you know, I don't write music. I'm not claiming to be an artist. I just mm-hmm. was singing stuff that I'm listening to and stuff that I enjoy. So that's when I would put pen to paper and 
wrote my song on the run in my childhood bedroom. Ended up buying uh, microphones. Went one night to a guitar center, bought two microphones and an interface. Had no idea what I was doing. I'm not an audio engineer. I'm not a mixer. I'm not a master. And just pressed record, did as a one take, uploaded it to YouTube. Uh, I had no idea even at that point in time how to even get music on the Spotify or Apple Music. I oh, was really? I was clueless, man. It wasn't until um, my manager, who's still my manager today, who got a hold of me, we've been reaching out for months, months on end in my inbox, trying to get a hold of me, uh, asking if I was already being under management, if I'd been to town, if I'm writing. Because um, he assumed that I had a manager already by the moves that I was making because I was oh. getting people to follow me from TikTok to Instagram to YouTube. I was getting people to get, I wasn't just a person that people were listening to on, you know, one passive, li- passive listener, so to speak. Right. I was, bu- I was building, I was building a brand. I was building a name for myself. And again, it comes back from my business side too, my marketing. And, you know, I started mm-hmm. marketing myself and figuring out really what I wanted to start saying as an artist over the last two years and as a lover of music and, that's what I'm super excited about with this album coming. This is like, mm-hmm. I finally feel like a cohesive piece of art that I'm super excited for the world to hear. Yeah. I want, yeah. I want to chat with you about the the album. Yeah. I think that's so crazy that like, yeah. Cause it, all you wrote on the run. Right. And then that one, yeah. the one take and it just yeah. goes nuts and you just kept that same version. It wasn't even like you yeah. went and re-recorded. Right. It was just like, here's the one version I did in one take. And, yeah, you know, it just goes to show that if it's a good song, it doesn't matter if you spend a hundred thousand dollars on a microphone or whatever it may be. I mean, people are gonna love it if they're gonna love it. And that's crazy because that's the first song I wrote, and then the second song I wrote was "Ride a Lightning," and I recorded that. <laughs> through, and I recorded that, and that was I sang that song three times. It was my first time going into a small little studio. I had a, I had a just a dude who was just a mixer, audio engineer guy. I wasn't with a producer or anything super nice guy it's me him and my manager and i'm nervous as shit because i'm like it's my first time being kind of like a studio setting Mm -hmm. and my manager's like yeah just go in there and play like you've been playing on social media just go in and play it didn't play to a click track nothing it's i'm it's all based off a feel and i just sang it three times all the way through and then we spent this is always funny people always find this hilarious we found this mastering online through TuneCore when I was releasing music as an independent uh-huh. artist, it was a $10 mastering that, that, to, oh record that song, to record that song, it cost me $700. And that song, <laughs> that song is platinum now. Oh yeah, dog. Uh, that's so amazing. And last time we talked to you, you were like about, I think it was about to go gold or maybe it went gold. You're like, I think I'm going to get, you know, uh, a plaque, a gold plaque. And then now yeah. it's, it's in the, sh- I think I talked to you maybe a year ago and then that span, it's already doubled and now it's a platinum record, yeah. dude. So con- congratulations. That's so amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. So, okay. You, and then you ended up putting out, I think you had uh, the first volume of yeah. uh, 717 tapes and then you were going to yeah. release the volume two. Uh, yep. So you put that out and that's kind of where our, our conversation ended. So after you put yeah. out version two, like, I mean, what was, I mean, the album, obviously, you've been working on, but like after yeah. that, was it a lot of touring, a lot of continued songwriting? Like, where'd you kind of continue from that point? So the story from that point was, again, if just to rejog the memory, 
the strategy behind releasing what the 717 tapes were, we called them that for a reason because we were trying to release music as if rappers and, you know, these hip hop artists that were releasing these kinds of music just kind of on the fly. You may go ahead and listen to it and you're like, oh, this feels like an unfinished product, but that's the beauty in the product. So like mm-hmm. a lot of the songs on the first, like I said, I recorded Ride Lightning three times. And then all those other songs on that first volume were demos, were stuff that I recorded that day after we sang it. And it was just me in a writer's room with the guys. And I was just singing on a microphone in my hand and just, I was like, oh, that's great. We should release that. And that's <laughs> how we were, that's how we were releasing music. And I think that it was cool because the way I explain it to people is the 717 tapes was a way for me to get my feet wet, to grow as an individual, as a young you know, 20 year old. And as a person that wasn't trying to be an artist, who's trying to figure out who they are and what they want to say as an artist. So mm-hmm. when I was writing, I was going to these rooms, meeting up with these people. I was writing whatever felt good. There was no real mindset of I'm going to make a full body of art and this is going to be a cohesive you know, piece of art. No, the album, the 717 tapes, it's called the album, but what's coming out next, Pretty Little Poison, the album, that is an album, in my opinion. That's my debut album. And I call that my debut album because I went in, pulled my hair out, spent two, three months singing day after day, making a body of art, making all this music make sense to go ahead into this one, you know, this cohesive project, but the 717 tapes volume two, what was cool is as the process expanded and went on for me in the making of the 717 tapes, we were like, you know what, for volume two, we're going to go ahead and now work with a producer and we're going to go ahead and say, you know what, this one's not going to be acoustic. This one's going to have a few more instrumentations into it, but it's still going to be very raw, organic, lo-fi and volume two comes out. I have a few more songs that I release, make mm-hmm. it the album, call it the 717 Tapes album, and then went ahead and toured that on my acoustic tour, and then toured that um, throughout the entire last year, uh, mm-hmm. which has been absolutely mind-boggling. The fans seeing everything grow, and just how everybody re- has reacted to the 717 Tapes, but even the new music. And um, But yeah, which brings us to now... I have a fall tour coming up. I'm touring over the summer here. Uh-huh. Uh, a lot has happened. I can say that I opened up for George Strait, which is crazy. That's wild, man. So uh, a lot of blessings have come my way. And I think a lot of smart decisions, smart choices, um, and just kind of having a good head on my shoulders and the people around me supporting me and, you know, knowing the do's and don'ts, which has been great. And um, I'm just super excited for, for what's to come with this album because there's a lot to be said with what i put into this that's amazing man yeah uh it sounds like that the 717 tapes were like you you kind of uh attributed to more like like the hip-hop style it was, it was more like a mixtape like you would write a song record it, and then put it up write a song yep. record it, and put it up and there was no like okay i'm gonna sit down i'm gonna write a cohesive thing this there's a there's a rhyme and a reason behind each song and what i'm trying to say as a full as a whole yeah. Um, but the second version too was was it similar in the like write a song and but it was more directed because you had producers and more people involved yeah. in that point, but it wasn't you didn't go into it as okay, this the second volume is gonna be another yeah. cohesive piece of work. That wasn't until this album. 
Yep. Okay. 100%. Okay. So when do you start working on the album? So after the 717 tapes was complete and I had already written some stuff, but it was kind of like we had written songs um, throughout the duration of how, as long as I've been doing this. And we knew that there were songs along the way that weren't going to go on the 717 tapes because we were seeing a commonality and threads and concepts that we were like, you know what, this could go towards your next album as you continue to write and figure out, you know, what do you want to say on this album? So for me, I was just writing like a maniac, you know, going on writing retreats, getting into rooms with people that understood me as a person, understood me as an artist um, and knew uh, the best of the best of what to bring out of me. And sometimes, you know, bring great ideas to me that they knew that I would want to talk about. Mm -hmm. And um, so for this album, man, the process, it's so crazy because again, 24 now and as a dude who wasn't doing the song and dance for 10 15 years and dive bars and stuff and you know everything is a first it's the touring it's the now you're meeting with record labels now you're meeting with producers and it's just it's a lot of firsts and it's a lot to take in and it can drive you crazy if you don't have you know i always like to say rituals and habits and being a former athlete athletics are so prevalent for me on the road the working out the mindset just keeping your mind and body in the best shape possible for longevity in this lifestyle but for the album uh it was strategic i worked with two different producers uh ross Copperman and bart butler and we both gave them you know songs that we felt that they were going to be able to do their best work on and both fitting for you know, stuff they've already done in the past. So uh, that was a fun process working with two producers who I have great relationships with. And um, it was just really cool. It's, it's just, it's, it's kind of uh it's an interesting experience and it can be nerve wracking, especially being the perfectionist that I am. And, you know, there is no such thing as perfect, but, you know, as an artist, there's your own version of perfect. Mm -hmm. And I always like to highlight in the making of this album, I knew that Pretty Little Poison was a special song. And that's why it's the title track. That's why it's the, you know, the overall arching theme of this album. And that's why it's called Pretty Little Poison, the album. I must have sang that song a thousand times before. Really? Because, oh my God. Because I was, I'm, it was keeping me up at night. And I kept listening back and you had everybody telling you, it sounds great. It's awesome. It's amazing. It's good to go. But I pushed back longer and longer in the recording process because I was like, I'm not going to put out a product that when I listen back to, I don't believe the guy's singing. It's a mm. big thing for me. A big thing for me is feeling the emotion, the character. Your voice is an instrument. So you sure. can sing a song a million different ways. Each individual song has got to have its own character, a person that is speaking to you through each individual word that you're hearing in the song. So the making of this album was so cool for me because I was able to show so much versatility in my voice because everyone, you know, talks about the gravel, talks about, you know, the hardness in my voice. But with this album, there's the gentle side, there's the soft side, there's still the gravel, there's the, the push pull with how much I use, how much I don't use. So it's just really cool for me to put this out and have this coming out to show, I think, growth. I mm -hmm. think learning on how to use my voice even more. 
And um, with Pretty Little Poison Man, I kept listening back and was just not happy. And I remember when it clicked, it was late in the studio the one night I was working with my boy. It was just me and him. And we actually like one taped it. And he, he looked at me and he was like, dude, that was it. He was like, that guy I believed singing to me. He's like, I thought you were singing that song to me live. Like I wasn't listening to a recording. He's like, I thought I was listening to like what that song was supposed to be. And it's the best feeling you can get. Yeah. And that song, that song is what it is. And it's going to the moon. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I love that you talked about, you know, versatility and changing like, yeah, oh, you got the grip, but you can also do so many other things with your voice. And even with Pretty Little Poison, you have like a piano version, which is beautiful. And then the demo version and then the studio version. And like just the just within that one song, it's what you've done with it is amazing. Yeah. And you talk about or you were saying, you know, believing you, right? It's more of like that. It's like the authenticity behind it. And even with your first record, just having that song sung like in one take all the way through having it resonate with people. Cause I think subconsciously people can kind of hear if it's, if it's forced or if it's not being, yeah. if you're not being authentic with it. And I feel like all of your songs have that feel to it. Like, it's just like you, you like, okay, I know this is like Warren and he's being authentic. And yeah. obviously it's been growing and growing and growing. Uh, every song you put out is people are, are lashing onto it. Um, with this album like when it comes to like pretty little poison you know you focus a lot on that song was that something that kind of came throughout the album as well like you, you work with two producers did you know okay when i work with this person these are the so type of songs i want to do or this is what i kind of want to work towards and with the other person you did you kind of like separate it or is it just kind of happened as it happened no, so we knew going into it which songs you we were going to give to to which producer because we okay. just kept doing our research and doing our homework on, and we kind of had them even weigh in on songs that they would like to have, and they think that they could do their best work on, which was great too. Um, but yeah, man, it's uh, it was a hell of a process, and you know each song's different. Um, like example, tell me like it is, love mm -hmm. that song, death. I sang that song three times. So it's like each <laughs> song, each song is different. And I think that, you know, no, there's no rhyme or reason. There's no one way to do it. Um, inside your head, my first outside song. And it's a Chris Stapleton cut and Chris Stapleton. You listen to his work tape, you listen to his demo and you got to go ahead and you got to go. Okay. Well, Chris Stapleton's amazing. Love him to death, huge fan of his and, and what his art is. I'm not going to do a Chris Stapleton version. I'm going to do my own version. And I think that going into that song and that mindset, that's another song that I sang three, four times. And I was happy with it because I think there's this push-pull relationship with the pressure you put on yourself, the way you approach a song. And each, like I said, each song's different. And each song was different for this recording process on how I approached it, how many times I sang it what I was happy with, what are the nuances I'm looking for? What is, what does this character need to be for this verse or this chorus? And that's honestly some of the most fun and enjoying things about when it comes to recording process is figuring out how do I give each song an individual life mm -hmm. that you can go ahead and listen to him and go, oh, he's talking to me in a million different ways and all these, and all through these different songs, through the sequence of this album. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a 
I didn't realize that Inside Your Head was a, a Chris Stapleson song. Is is it? Yeah. A, is that the only song that's outside of you? You're right. Like you wrote everything else on the record. That's the only one that you you did. Yes. Outside of it, was there a, a reason behind that, or is it just a song you like resonated with? I think that I'm not opposed to outside songs, and um, I think a great song is a great song. And if I can listen to it and you know give it a life and give it my own interpretation, I think that that's what the beauty of music is. And people have done so well in the music industry, whether they wrote it or whether they didn't, or whether you write a song and someone else cuts it. Um, I think art is art. And I think that if you can believe in a song, even if you didn't write it, if you can connect and resonate with it, then I see why not. And mm -hmm. I think that um, for me, I listened to so many outside songs through the process and nothing was feeling like it was filling that void for what fit into the album cohesively. And that was the one that I listened to. And I was like, shit, I can sing the hell out of this song. This is going to be something I'm putting on the album. So, yeah. And that's cool because you kind of, I mean, you started with the covers and then bringing something in again, like almost like full circle to what you started off doing. And now this one made your album. Um, but yeah. obviously a lot of the rest, the album's all you minus the one song. Uh, when you yeah. went into writing the album, was, did you know, like it sounded like you had songs and you're like, okay, these all kind of have a through line. Was that like the moment you're like, okay. I kind of need to like move forward with this. Or was there like a concept behind the whole album or is it just kind of like a through line throughout the whole thing? I think that I like to talk about this, the, the, the broad spectrum of what the album is. Uh, it's cool. If you notice in my artwork and in the music video of Pretty Little Poison, mm -hmm. you never see that. You never see the girl's face and these, oh, sure. and these songs are, um, Kind of about, I like to say, the faceless cowgirl. And there's faceless cowgirls. There's songs, all, a lot of the songs about women. Let's just say that. Mm -hmm. Relationships, whether I've been in them, whether they're stories I've heard from friends, um, it's uh, the common thread is the faceless cowgirl and cowgirls along the way through my life so far, the journey of it all. And, um, you know, some songs I wrote a while ago, some songs are a lot more recent. Um, but the cool thing, too, about this album, too, is uh, if you pay attention to the writers uh, on the album, there's a lot of commonalities from the 717 tapes. And you see a lot of repeating names on this album uh, throughout all the songs on the record. That's amazing, man. Well, I, I love what you're doing. I'm, it's so cool to see, you know, from that the first conversation we had and then you have the, the uh, you know, you had a song that was going to go gold or you're like, I think it is. And now it's platinum and just what you've achieved. I saw that you, you played like a Brooklyn bowl, not that long ago, but, and now you're doing the rhyming and in, in Nashville, like coming up in October. And it's just, it's so rad to see how your career has really continued to, to grow. Um, and these tours you're on now, like that rhyming show must be, will probably be pretty special to you. I'd imagine. Yeah, because um, I don't know if I said this in the last interview, but I, I set a goal for myself that first time I would ever step foot in the Opry was when I played it. And I did that last oh, wow. summer. Did that last summer. And that was the 20th time I had ever taken the stage to play live music. No way. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's incredible. A lot of, a lot of emotions, a lot of tears. Um and then almost a year later, I played, opened up for George Strait 
and this is my first stadium show. And that was crazy too, because again, I completely believe that the good Lord has blessed me and that I'm here because of what his, his plan was for me all along. But I took that stage and um, I was the four o'clock opener. George didn't go on until nine 30 and George's team had said to my team, it was the largest attendance they ever had. And one of George's stadium shows for a four o'clock opener, the stadium was almost 75% full. Oh my yeah. gosh. That's so cool. That That's huge. Yeah. Usually people yeah. are just rolling in. Okay. The, the doors are at four. I'll get there at, you know, eight. Yeah. Cause I had people telling me, I had a lot of people there for that show. People were telling me like, Hey, don't get discouraged. You're going to go out there. There's not going to be a lot of people out there. I got out there and took the stage and said, Holy shit. What were y'all talking about? I'm like, there's <laughs> right. a lot of people out here. So <laughs> It was uh, really fulfilling and really rewarding and got to have my parents there and a lot of tears were shed. Um, and yeah, I haven't been to the Ryman either. So the first time going to the Ryman's going to be when I played that night. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Was that another thing that you wanted to like, okay, I'm not going to go to the Ryman until I, I walk out on the stage. Yep. It was that another one for me is uh, Red Rock. Oh uh, yeah. I supposed to go see, uh, I was supposed to go see a show there. And I said, uh, I can't do it. I can't go against on what, you know, what my, what my heart and soul is telling me. So and it's just, it's, it's really cool because it gives you something to chase. It gives you something to look forward to. And I think um, not giving myself a taste of that until I get there. It's just a cool stepping stone goals, crossing them off along the way and speaking things into existence, man. Dude, I love that. That's so cool. I've never heard another artist say that. Like, okay, I'm not going to go to Red Rocks or whatever until I get on that stage. And to do yeah. that at the Opry, I mean, that's so huge. And, this, and, and then the Ryman coming up. Uh, really, really awesome, man. And congratulations on all the success. I can't, the album's coming out, I think, next month, the uh, 18th or something next month. 18th, yep. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, and I appreciate your time again today, Warren. Thank you so much, dude, for, for coming back on and chatting with me course man thanks for having me yeah i have one more quick question for you I asked you this last time but i'm going to do it again uh do you have any advice for aspiring artists i think probably even after the last year since we've talked i think the the advice would still be the same as what i probably said last year i think it's being true to who you are and i think never giving up on that i think getting into this into this world you got to be you know careful and I don't say that as a bad thing, but I think getting into this life, yeah, there's a lot of work involved. It's not all sunshine and rainbows at times that you think it might be. Um, but I think one of the things my dad said to me is that not everyone's going to like you growing up, but you're the person who's got to wake up in the morning and look yourself in the mirror. So as long as you're happy with who you are, if you're writing stuff that's authentic, like we said, true to you, um, that's the best gift you could ever have because doing something that you don't love, there's no point in doing it at all. I think uh, as well, if you're not on social media yet, I'll tell you right now, get your ass on social media.